Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Lisa Tuggle, and this is Evangelination, evangelizing the nation for the best and brightest future of our country, our world, and our eternal souls. And what could be more important than that? Today's topic is a personal favorite of mine, and I hope it is or will be yours as well. It's the Sacred Heart of Jesus. It is one of the most beautiful devotions in the history of devotions in the church and indeed in the whole world. Honestly, there is nothing really that compares with the heart of God made flesh in the sacred heart of Jesus Christ. Some of the best known short prayers to the sacred heart go something like this. Maybe you remember them. O sacred heart of Jesus, I love you. Help me love you more and more and all those redeemed by your blood. Or, O sacred heart of Jesus, your kingdom come. Sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on me. Many people consecrate their entire home to the sacred heart of Jesus in a small ceremony led by a Catholic priest. And many people also consecrate themselves and their whole family to the sacred heart of Jesus. Well, today I want to dive right in to the biblical foundations of this devotion, which was defined by the Lord himself in mystical conversations granted to St. Margaret Mary Olacoque in December of 1673 and then finally in June of 1675 during the octave of the Feast of the Blessed Sacrament, which is intimately associated with the Sacred Heart. Uh, we celebrate this in June. June is the heart, uh, um, the month of the Sacred Heart, and so this is why it's so appropriate to be talking about that today. So, to Sister Margaret Mary, Jesus showed his sacred heart all aflame, and he said, quote, Behold the heart which has so loved men, that it has spared nothing, even to exhausting and consuming itself, in order to testify to its love. In return, I receive from the greater part only ingratitude by their irreverence and sacrilege and by the coldness and contempt they have for me in this sacrament of love. And what is most painful to me, he added in a tone that went to the sister's heart, is that they are hearts consecrated to me that do this. And then Jesus commanded, Uh, Sister Margaret Mary, to have established in the church a particular feast to honor his sacred heart. Quote, it is for this reason I ask that the first Friday after the octave of the Blessed Sacrament be appropriated to a special feast to honor my heart by communicating on that day and making reparation for the indignity that it, my heart, has received. And I promise that my heart shall dilate to pour out abundantly the influences of its love on all that will render it this honor or procure its being rendered this honor. Yeah, so Jesus' heart is just going to open up 
we just ask a little bit, if we just practice this devotion even just a little bit, he opens up his heart to us, pours his love into us so that we can love. And so the Feast of the Sacred Heart was indeed established in the church in close association with the octave of the Blessed Sacrament of the altar and, um, and also the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And it is expressed throughout the year with the First Friday Devotion, which involves acts of prayer and reparation for nine consecutive First Fridays, meaning the first Friday of the month for nine months. Okay, now if you are not Catholic, or even if you are or once were, you may be wondering, where is that in the Bible? Sometimes our Protestant brothers and sisters will ask such a thing when it comes to traditions of the universal church. So let me give you at least five Bible passages that speak about the sacred heart of Jesus. Are you ready? Okay, you can write them down and then go back and consider them in your Lexio Divina prayer time. So get your little pencil. Okay, here's the first one. You ready? Deuteronomy 6.4. This is the famous one. Deuteronomy 6.4, the famous Shema of Judaism. Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's Deuteronomy 6, 5. So that's 4 and 5 right there. The Shema. Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. All right. Now let me tell you, no one, and I mean no one, ever to walk the face of the earth, loved the Lord our God with all his heart like Jesus Christ the God-man did and still does. All right. This is the, the fulfillment of the Shema. You see, the Shema is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. And Jesus perfectly fulfills the Shema, which means he fulfills all the law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's what the Son does for the Father and the Father for the Son. And the Holy Spirit is the breath of love between them. The second Bible passage about the sacred heart of Jesus is this. It's related to it. Jeremiah 31, 33 and following. Okay, so start with Jeremiah 31, 33. We're going to hook that to Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. And this is what it says. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Now again, this law is written on our hearts and is always there for us to listen to and obey. I'm sorry, there's no excuse at the last. No one who can be able to say, oh, but I didn't know what was right and wrong. Nope. The law of the Lord is inscribed in every human heart and fulfilled ultimately in a heart that lives with sincere and virtuous loving. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay, that's two. Now, here's number three. Along these same lines, we have Ezekiel 36, 26. And this is a good one. It's a very important one. Ezekiel 36, 26. 
write it down and read it later. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take away your stony heart and I will give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26. Now, Jesus was the embodiment of this and he still is. His is a heart of flesh, a heart of warmth, of compassion, of humanity, not a heart of stone, a heart of violence, a heart of rioting and chaos, of stone throwing, accusation, finger pointing, and ganging up on other people. We see a lot of this playing out right now in the so-called Black Lives Matter movement. Sure, Black Lives Matter. Everybody knows that. All lives matter. The rioting and the violence, though, the ganging up on policemen, many of whom are black and also white and Asian and Hispanic and many other races and ethnic backgrounds. This has to stop. People are being needlessly hurt and even murdered because of the same blindness that is associated with racism in the first place. Two wrongs don't make a right, and it is time that we as a nation of young people middle-aged people and old people all band together and stop allowing ourselves to be played by the media and its politically motivated maneuvering. Make no mistake, it was the media and certain moneyed people who have fueled the senseless freefall of certain urban populations into cold-hearted violence. People, this is the farthest thing from the heart of compassion, from the heart of Jesus, that there can be. Deep down, we know that a free people, a virtuous people, a people of integrity, and all societies of peace and wisdom and intelligence do not solve problems with violence and mobs. The heart of Jesus is a heart of compassion, for sure, for African Americans who were enslaved in the past, for those who suffer discrimination and persecution today and throughout all of history regardless of the color of their skin. Jesus loves every black person and people of every race and nation. Now, what will solve our social ills is to return to the heart of love, the sacred heart of Jesus Christ, the source of all conversion and growth in holiness and social justice. Verse... Um, 34 of, of uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 19, we read, One of the soldiers with a spear opened his side, and immediately there came out blood and water. That's John 19, 34, our fourth verse here. Um, and here's uh, uh, verse, uh, verses 5 and 6, right? There's about six verses here. The prophet Zacharias foresaw, that the Messiah would be killed and have his side pierced by a spear, which, let's be clear here, pierced the heart of Jesus, from which a river of divine mercy and grace poured out, blood and water poured out from his heart through his sacred side. And we know that the centurion standing under the cross, upon whom that blood and water poured out from the heart of Jesus, from the side of Jesus, that centurion was immediately converted, and he confessed, surely, this man was the Son of God. You can look that up in all of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew 27, Mark 15, and Luke 23. 
And you, said, you see, this same event was prophesied also by the prophet Zechariah. In Zechariah 12, 9 and 10, we read, And I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of prayers. And they shall look upon me, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn as one mourns for an only son. Zechariah 12, 9 and 10. You see, to write the ills of the world, the ills that are created by you and me, by human beings who do not love, human beings whose hearts are cold and hard like stones, Jesus gave his life in a gruesome, passionate sacrifice of himself so that humanity, steeped in so much lovelessness and sin against one another, could be set free to love again and enter again into the social order that is all beatitude and refreshment, a social order that puts love of God and love of neighbor as its center and firm foundation. This is the only answer, folks. All right? Bible passage number seven, my final Bible passage to you about the sacred heart of Jesus. And we're just scratching the surface here, I assure you, because the Bible is replete with these passages. The final one is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 35. And it's the shortest verse in the whole Bible. You probably know it now. And it gets right to the point of our topic today. Here it is, John eleven thirty-five. And I quote, Jesus wept. The context of this passage is, of course, the moment when his friend, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, comes to Jesus, weeping over the death of her brother. You know, Jesus was delayed in coming to Bethany because he intended to raise Lazarus from the dead. However, when he saw Mary's grief and the weeping of the others who were with her, it says in verse 34 that, quote, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And in verse 35, it says simply that he wept. He wept in solidarity with them. His heart was not cold and stony, even though he knew that he was the resurrection and the life and that Lazarus would live again. Still, he looked with the eyes of compassion, with beatific vision, to use a phrase we talked about last week, and Jesus felt sorry for them. He felt sorrow and for and with them. And in verse 36, the people said, See how he loved him. And can we not honestly say this about us too? That this passage applies to us as well? See how he has loved me. Just look at a crucifix and say it. See how he has loved me. See how he has loved us. In closing, let me share with you what St. Margaret Mary wrote about the love of the Sacred Heart of Jesus for you and me. She said, To know the charity of Jesus Christ, to be filled with the fullness of it, that is the reign of God in man. And that reign is the fruit of devotion to the heart of Jesus, living and loving us in the most blessed sacrament. 
This devotion is the sovereign worship of love. It is the soul and center of all religion. For religion is merely the law, the virtue, and the perfection of love. And the Sacred Heart is the grace, the model, and the life of it. Let us study this love close to the fire where it consumes itself for us. She also said, love keeps him there. She's talking about in the Blessed Sacrament, in the tabernacle. Love keeps him there as a victim, completely and perpetually delivered over to sacrifice for the glory of the Father and for our salvation. Unite yourself with him, then, in all that you do. Refer everything to his glory. Set up your abode in this loving heart of Jesus, and you will find there lasting peace and the strength both to bring to fruition all the good desires he inspires in you and to avoid every deliberate fault. Place in this heart all your sufferings and difficulties. Everything that comes from the sacred heart is sweet. He changes everything into love. These were the words of St. Margaret Mary, a la Coque, uh, who was favored with personal visits from Jesus during her lifetime, no doubt because of the love she bore for him and, and for her neighbor. So let's start today. Stop throwing rocks at your neighbor. It won't solve anything. Instead, let's turn the rocks of our hearts into hearts of flesh, hearts that feel, hearts that sympathize. The police officers trying to keep law and order in the streets of our fine nation are not your enemy. Hatred is our common enemy. And we will never drive out hatred with hatred. No, rather we can only drive out hatred, prejudice, self-righteousness and bigotry from our country with love and with compassion and with the holy highway of the sacred heart of Jesus our Savior. Bye now.